Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park podcast exclusive episode. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. I want to take this time like I do each and every time we do one of these, each and every time we start out, just to say thank you for joining me here. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, um, to have you listening whenever you're listening. Just so you're picking up on something that you might not have already known before. You know, some of us, we study the Bible. Some of us, we don't take the time that we should to read into God's Word each and every day. I myself, before becoming a minister, I was also guilty of not reading the Bible as much as we we should. Um, I still feel that even as much as I do now, that I still feel like I don't do it enough. God's Word is something that we should uh, delve into daily. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one of the moments where um, we're all guilty of not reading the instructions. Am I right? You know, we'll buy a product and we'll just start using it. Same with our lives. The Bible is God's instruction manual to us. It will tell us what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And, you know, because just like with a product, just because you... It works when you use it the way you use it. Doesn't mean you're using it properly. Here's a story for you. Um, I used to work at Sears as a uh, what they called a PMT, which uh, basically what I did was I assembled things. You know, if you went into Sears, if you have ever been into a Sears <laughs> and you bought something and you had them assemble it. A PMT was the one who assembled it. There were several times where I would put a product together, send it out, and it worked. Because we had to test it. It worked. It held up. But I would go back into my office and look, and hey, I didn't put something on there. Or, you know, later later on, there there were these uh, treadmills that people bought. They were uh, really popular at the time. They were really, really, uh, I won't say cheap, but they were inexpensive. And um, there was this little black piece that um, went between one of the arms and the actual treadmill part down the bottom where you would actually run, right? You have no idea how many times I would forget to put that on. Or I would put it on backwards. If I had just taken the time, read the instructions, that would have happened, would it? So how many times have we in our lives done something thinking we were doing it right? But when we go read the Bible, we're like, oh, but it works. Or, oh, I did it. You know, it ain't hurt nobody, right? That wasn't the way God intended us to do it. Anyway, that's what I hope, you know, when you're listening here, you learn something that will help you make a change in your life. But, you know, these past few weeks, we've been doing, or past few weeks, (laughs) these past few days, we've been doing a uh, a, a set of sermons here that I like to call Biblical Conspiracies, right? And here we are, we're in the final episode of these Bible conspiracies. We're on part six. And today we will be looking at the secret plots that were made against the Apostle Paul. Now, 
We've covered a lot so far, haven't we? We've covered, you know, King Saul. We've covered King David. We've covered we've covered the um, other kings of the Old Testament. We've also covered Jesus, and here we are today talking about Paul. Now, I want to point out before we go any further. Um, after doing all the research for this video or <laughs> this podcast exclusive, I have decided that after today we will be looking at the life of Paul. And I have no idea how many of those we will be doing, but I will tell you that I'm going to be doing an in-depth uh, study on Paul, and um, this might take a while. So just be ready for that. <clears throat> now, Paul, while he was still just Saul, he is converted to Christianity. Um, and he, he gets baptized in Damascus in about roughly 33 AD. Now, we read of this in Acts chapter 9. Now, you know I'm not going to read um, an entire chapter here. <laughs> not in a uh, podcast exclusive episode. So if you want to, just go read Acts chapter 9. But what we do, what we read there is we read that after he spends, you know, just a few days with the Christians, he immediately began to proclaim Christ, that he is the Son of God. Or as the old King James tells us in Acts chapter 9 verse 20, And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Now, I do not think that he knew that, you know, the speed that he, he starts to evangelize would actually uh, be the same speed that uh, the conspiracies would come against him, okay? Now, it is believed that Paul was about 31 years old uh, at the beginning of his ministry. He is headstrong. He's, hard, he's a hardworking young man. He, he was determined to accomplish his goals. Let's take a look, shall we? Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The depth of Paul's biblical knowledge and, and the argumentation skills that he possesses is evident from the very moment he opens his mouth. Let's remember, Paul was trained as a Pharisee. He actually calls himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. But you see, Paul... He's still, he is still being called Saul here. He, he only increases in power. And he confounds the Jews who live in Damascus. He, he proves to them that Jesus is the Christ. We see that in Acts chapter 9 verse 22 which says, But Paul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And you see, 
because of his intense personality and the message that Paul is preaching, he, he kindles hatred against him. He discovers the, the secret conspiracy against him, and he takes action. Let's look at that. Acts chapter 9, verses 23 to 24. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Paul, and they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Now, yes, Paul escapes from Damascus. He has, he has help, you see, from, from fellow Christians. Let's take a look at that. Acts chapter 9, verse 25. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. So let's talk about this, this uh, what, is, what in the Bible is called a secret conspirator. Remember, Paul did have conspiracies against his life. But you see, Paul was also a conspirator himself, you know, once upon a time. When, when we see Paul, you know, at the end of his uh, third ministry journey, we see Paul get arrested at the temple in Jerusalem by some Romans. These Romans believe that uh, Paul has caused a riot there. Now, this takes place uh, in late spring of about 58 A.D. Take a look at Acts chapter 21. We're going to read a few. We're going to read quite a few verses here. We're going to read Acts chapter 21, verses 26 to 33. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification, until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went around to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band, that all of Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating on Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Now, this Roman captain here, he's surprised. Because you see, Paul could speak Greek. And he asks him, and we read it in Acts chapter 21, verse 38, Art not thou the Egyptian, 
which before these days madest an uproar and ledest out into the wilderness four thousand men that were murderers? But wait a minute. Who was this Egyptian? Well, if we were to look, because the Bible doesn't make it clear, right? So, so we'll look at Josephus. Josephus, we get a lot of detail on this particular person. You see, Josephus tells us, but there was an Egyptian false prophet that did the Jews more mischief than the former, for he was a cheat and pretended to be a prophet also, and got together with 30,000 men. Now, Josephus exaggerates that number that were deluded by him. These he led round about from the wilderness to the mount which was called the Mount of Olives and was ready to break into Jerusalem by force from that place. And if he could but only conquer the Roman garrison and the people, he intended to domineer over them. If you want to read this and you have access um, to Josephus's work, you might even be able to find it online. I actually have a book, um, the complete works of Josephus. You can find this in the Wars of the Jews, book two, chapter 13, section five. Okay. Now, and and I will put that um, in the description of the podcast for you. Now, Josephus, he does go on to state that the Romans actually um, launched an attack against this conspiracy and that they killed uh, many, many men. Um, This is also in his book, um, Antiquities of the Jews, uh, book 20, chapter 8, section 6. Now, now sadly, this Egyptian ringleader, he does escape and he's never found. Paul tells the captain that uh, he was not this, this conspirator but that he was actually a Jew and a citizen of Tarsus and Cilicia. Now, he does this, he makes sure to tell them that he's a city of uh, a citizen of Tarsus and Cilicia because, you see, that would make him a Greek citizen, a Roman citizen, whatever. Now, let's take a look at Acts chapter 21, verse 39. But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. Now, the next conspiracy that falls on Paul happens immediately after this one. You see, the Romans, they want to know why the Jews had pointed their finger at Paul, saying that, he was the one that started this. And so what they do is they allow the Sanhedrin, you know, the, the Sanhedrin, we all know the Sanhedrin, they're, they're the highest religious authority among the Jews at the time. So they allow them to examine Paul. We read this in Acts chapter 22, verse 30. It says, On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty wherefore he was accused of, the Jews... He, he loosed him from his bands and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. 
Now, uh, him being brought here before the Sanhedrin, <laughs> this this causes the whole Sanhedrin to uh, fall into chaos. Let's read Acts chapter 23, verses 1 to 10. So this is going to be quite a lot of for us to read. Let's read it. And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou, thou whited wall. For sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? Then said Paul, I was not, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other part Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he said, when he so said, there rose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great a great cry. And the scribes that were of the Pharisees' part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man, but if a spirit or an angel hath spoken to him, let us not fight against God. And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and to take him by force from among them, and to bring him into the castle. Now then, then the Romans, right? They they remove him from the proceedings for his own safety. And while he's awaiting for the Romans to, you know, decide, hey, what do we do with this man? A great, I should say large, group of fanatical Jews, they uh, they band together. And they make a conspiracy against Paul. Yeah, take a look. Acts chapter 23, verses 12 to 13. And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Just think about the zeal. That these men must have felt. They hate Paul and the gospel so much that they're willing to fight against well-trained Roman soldiers in an attempt to kill Paul. Not only that, they go and they get the approval of the Jewish religious leaders. Yeah, take a look. Acts chapter 23 verses 14 and 15 says, And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now therefore ye with the council signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow, 
as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him. And we, or ever he come near, are ready to kill him. This is contrary, of course, because you see, this conspiracy right here, it's thwarted. Paul's relatives, they 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 find out. They find out what, what, what about this conspiracy. And they go and they tell the Romans. Take a look. Acts chapter 23, verses 16 to 22. And when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee, who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked, What is that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldst bring down Paul tomorrow into council, as though they would inquire something of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him of them more than forty men, which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready, looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showest these things to me. Now, because of that, <laughs> Paul is protected by over 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen. They take him at night to Caesarea so that, you know, he can be tried by the Roman governor. Anyway, after this, Paul is left there to rot in prison for more than two years. Paul's case is left in limbo by the corrupt governor, Felix. Because, see, Felix was hoping that someone would uh, offer him a bribe, and then he would release Paul. Take a look. Acts chapter 24, verse 26. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him to oftener and communed with him. Now, in early autumn of about 60 AD, Felix is replaced. He's replaced by another governor named Festus. Now, Festus, he, he, what he does is he travels to Jerusalem three days after taking the post. While he's there, the high priest and the other leaders, they start pressing on him. You know, they, they want him to, to transfer Paul back to Jerusalem. And they do that the very moment he arrives there. And once again, they're planning to ambush Paul and kill him. You know, while he's on the way there. We read this in Acts chapter 25, verses 2 and 3. The verse reads, Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul, 
and besought him and desired favor against him, that he would send for him to Jerusalem, right here, laying wait in the way to kill him. Now, once again, here's another conspiracy that fails. Because you see, Paul, he rejects being judged by Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, I should say. You know, what he does is, remember earlier when I told you he makes sure that, to, to say where he's from? Because that makes him a Roman citizen. Paul leans on that. He leans on the fact that he is a Roman citizen. And he appeal. what he does is he appeals to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, you have the right to be asked, asked to be judged by Caesar. That's right. Take a look. Acts chapter 25, verses 8 to 12. It says, While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? Then Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have I done no wrong, as thou, will, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender... Or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof the, these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shall thou go. You see, when you appeal into Caesar as a Roman citizen, that's where you go. And this is how Paul, once again, escapes the evil plots of these men who are trying to kill him. And he fulfills God's perfect will. Let's take a look here uh, as we're getting ready to close. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. And the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. Now, like I said, after, um, you know, Paul's one of my favorites. Uh, I want, I'm not going to say I don't have a favorite apostle. But when I, um, he's one of my favorite subjects. You know, you, you guys know that I love, um, I love uh, reading about Elijah and Elisha. You guys know that. Um, but I love also reading about Paul. To me, you know, once you have a firm understanding as a Christian of what, you know, being a Christian is, you know, I think that the best book you know, one of the ones that, I don't say the best book, but one of my, you know, the ones, if you were to come to me and go preach, you know, I'm a Christian, I know I'm a Christian, but if I was to read one book in the Bible right now to help me understand better, which one would you tell me to read? And I would point to you to the most perfect and most beautiful 
written letter of Paul, and that is Romans. The book of Romans is a portrait of God's grace, and it is beautifully drawn and painted by Paul. So if, if you ever wondered about that, go just go read it. It is beautiful and it will teach you so very much. When you read it, you're going to be you're going to feel so much. And I don't mean just read it, study it. Put your heart into it. Pay attention to every word. Because you're going to be so much freer in your Christian life when you read and understand the book of or when you understand Paul's letter to the Romans. Because it is beautiful. It is amazing. So, I want to thank you all for joining me here. I, um, I'm i recording this, of course, uh, Friday morning after uh, Thanksgiving. I hope you all had a beautiful and wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you all spent time with your family. I hope you um, took time to listen to the podcast exclusive that I released for Thanksgiving where I kind of give you the history of Thanksgiving just a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I pray that God continues to bless and keep each and every one of you, and I hope to see you all return here. And like I said, just be prepared because we're about to enter into a lot about Paul. <laughs> so God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.